louder. From the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning, head turning, ass kicking, machismo dripping, master podcasting, mouthpiece of the Southeast, uncontested superstar of the airwaves, and your reigning and defending podcast champion of the world, Brandon A. Lane, bringing you another edition of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. Tonight, we're hopping a ferry to Muffy St. John's luxurious summer lake house where a fun filled weekend awaits. Or does it? That's right, tonight we're bringing you an in-depth retrospective and a cast reunion of 1986's satirical slasher known as April Fool's Day. Now, later in the episode, I'm going to be joined by the star of Valley Girl, Deborah Foreman, the star of Friday the 13th Part 2, Amy Steele, and everybody's favorite Back to the Future bully, that's right, Tom Wilson will be here in the studio in the Black Lodge tonight. This interview is going to blow your mind. It cannot be missed because tonight, for the first time ever, the cast is going to be dropping a bomb, a literal 36-year mystery, a secret that has been held close to them and they have never spoiled, is going to be told in this episode. It's going to blow your mind when you hear it. But first, here's some messages from our sponsors. Madcap 3 Entertainment presents FrankenCon. On Saturday, May 14th, Joe Bob is back in town and he's bringing Darcy the Mill Girl with him. And it's a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 reunion as the Scream Queen himself, Mark Patton, will be on hand along with Nightmare 2 and Hellraiser Bloodline star Kim Myers and Nightmare 2, Alone in the Dark and Wishmaster 2 director Jack Shoulder will all be in attendance. Along with Texas Chainsaw Massacre star John Dugan, aka Grandpa. As well as a rare appearance by Pumpkinhead, Society, and Silent Night Deadly Night Part 5 star Brian Brimmer. And get ready to rock with the horror band The Casket Creatures. And last but not least, Nigel Bach, Bad Ben franchise director and actor, will be gracing us with his presence. FrankenCon takes place on Saturday, May 14th at the Hilton Knoxville Airport on 2001 Alcoa Highway, Alcoa, Tennessee. VIP and general admission tickets on sale now at frankencontn.com. VIP tickets are limited and going fast and include activities like a full screening of Nightmare 2 with a live cast commentary. For more info on prices and activities, visit us on Facebook or Instagram at frankencontn or on frankencontn.com. See you on Saturday, May 14th for the first annual FrankenCon. Card subject to change. Watching films is always better with friends, but... We're not always so lucky. Until now. Thanks to Popcorn Fodder on Tubi, you can see eight films ranging from brilliant to bizarre. 
and everything in between with your host, cult filmmaker and avid movie fan, Henrik Kuto, there to take you on the journey and keep you engaged with insights, trivia, and musings. Featuring films such as The Devil Times Five, Bruce Lee Fights Back, From the Grave, I Bury the Living, and Driller Killer. In the tradition of Elvira, Sven Gulli, and Joe Bob Briggs, we bring you Popcorn Fodder. You can watch all eight episodes completely free when you go to Tubi.com and search Popcorn Fodder, also available on Roku and just about any other way you stream your movies. I look forward to having you all join me for another round of Popcorn Fodder. This is your podcasting god king, TJ Bowser here. I just wanted to take a break from my busy schedule of pud whacking to inform you of something I'm very passionate about and I think you should be aware of. Congenital hemorrhoidal ass disease, or CHAD for short, is a rare disease that affects 1 in 37,000 cellar-dwelling men. CHAD causes a multitude of issues including, but not limited to, hair loss, distended abdomen, low testosterone, penile atrophy, lack of logic, and bad taste in film. If you're experiencing any or all of these symptoms, please consult your local PCP immediately. CHAD is an angry, rough little disease and it must be stopped before it takes the best of us out. Now that you know about Chad, you can help us raise awareness. First, tell a friend about this terrible disease and help spread the word. Also visit www.pleasestopchad.com to find out more and how to donate to this cause and stop Chad's reign of terror on us all. of horror history, the slasher genre has given birth to many thematic holiday outings ranging from Halloween, Friday the 13th, and even St. Patrick's Day, but the film we're talking about tonight is the definition of a cult classic. A personal favorite of mine, and that being 1986's satirical slasher masterpiece known as April Fool's Day. I'm your host, Brandon A. Lane, and unfortunately I have to start this episode out on a sour note because my co-host, my comrade, my best friend, Fat Tony, He's unable to join us because of a serious injury. Now, I don't want to alarm anybody. Fairly recently, after consuming several horns of mead, he sustained a serious injury to his jaw during what I can only imagine was a ravenous session of muff diving. Now, he's going to be out of commission for six to nine weeks, and the doctors are confident that he'll be back to lick and sliz like a champ in no time. But with a heavy heart, all I can say is get well soon, Tony, and Godspeed. Let's not dwell on the bad. 
Let's get to what we came here for, and that's an in-depth retrospective for April Fool's Day. It was released March 17th, 1986 on an estimated budget of $5 million. That's not chump change. The Friday the 13th machine was just plowing on down the field, and Paramount realized if we can do it with one series, why can't we do it with another? It grossed $12,947,763. Now adjusted for 2022 money, that comes to $33,517,221.96. That is an amazing haul. IMDb ranks it at a 6.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a rotten score at 55%. And oddly enough, the audience score is even lower at 47%. Metacritic, 49 out of 100. Google users, who we usually hail as the being, you know, pretty much the most accurate of the aggregators online. 82%, getting a little closer. But the only one that matters, the only review that you should take to heart, and that being the Rant Army review in the Facebook group who gave you two options, April Fool's Day good, April Fool's Day bad. You came in with a home run, a touchdown, a hat trick, and everything else in between, 100%. I should have expected it, but it's, it's still nice to see. Fat Tony's hit list, we have an amazing 42 dead bodies. 43 if you include the person that Tom Wilson murdered in cold blood on the set for continually referring to him as Biff. Ouch. Uh, Stink Dick Eddie's titty tally, we have 33 beautiful bare breasts, each one unique and beautiful just like a snowflake. Also, on top of everything, April Fool's Day has the distinction of being the only horror film in history to win best sex scene at the adult Video News Awards. Now, if that statistic doesn't get you stiff, uh quote-unquote, then perhaps the stiff competition of 1986 will. So let's check out that stiff competition. Now, it's hard to believe that all these films came out that year, but uh, trust me, they did. Uh, Jurassic Park, Avatar, Titanic, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Jaws, Gone with the Wind, Terminator 2, Avengers Infinity War, Independence Day, and of course, last but certainly not least, the Tour de Force from Bill Cosby, Leonard Part 6. Obviously, at number one, we have Gone with the Wind. Number two, Avengers Infinity War. Number three, Avatar. Coming at number four, we have the film we're talking about tonight, April Fool's Day, and number five, Leonard Part Six. Now, to properly examine the monumental waves that April Fool's Day caused, we first have to take a trip back to the early 70s. So let's go from page to screen. Now, while filming The Exorcist in the Middle East, director William Friedkin discovered an ancient tablet. It was inscribed with what we now know to be the 12th through 15th commandments of the Hebrew Bible. This holy tablet it was transported to America, and through some legal wranglings, it became the property of Paramount Pictures. Now, eventually, the tablet would fall into the hands of Paramount producer Frank Mancuso Jr., who instantly saw its massive box office potential. Now, Mancuso rushed the project into development. He brought on director uh, Fred Walton, who you probably know as the uh, director of the Academy Award-winning trilogy, Big Mama's House. Also, writer Danilo Bach, best known for uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Part one, not part two. That one sucks. And these two were tasked with the feat of crafting an all-time classic, but little did they know. And the monumental uh, film that they were about to unleash upon the world, uh, it just, it was going to blow everyone's mind. This was going to be a shifting moment, not only in film, but also in pop culture. Now, with that being said, let's check out the synopsis for 1986's April Fool's Day. Get a little, a little more uh, micro in, in, uh, in the macro. Widely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time, this mob drama, based off of Mario Puzo's novel of the same name, focuses on the powerful Italian-American crime family of Arch, Tom Wilson. When Arch's youngest daughter, Kit, 
Amy Steele, reluctantly joins the Mafia, she becomes involved in the inevitable cycle of violence and betrayal. Although Kit tries to maintain a normal relationship with her friend, Muffy, Deborah Foreman, she is drawn deeper into the family business. Plus, it's on April Fool's Day. We're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll be back with the stars, Deborah Foreman, Amy Steele, and Tom Wilson, so stay tuned. Once upon a time, there was a man named Leonard Parker. He owned a very expensive restaurant, drove a very expensive car, and lived in a very expensive house. Then, in the middle of one very normal day, the president picked him... We need you, Leonard. ...to save the world again. But I have nothing to wear. Can a perfectly regular guy... Come on, Leonard, can't you get it up? Armed only with your average combat Porsche, underarmed heat-seeking missiles, and a foreign fortune teller, save all of mankind. And still make an 8 o'clock dinner reservation. That's all there is for dinner, Leonard. No coffee? Bill Cosby. In Leonard, part six, an adventure in comedy. Catch him. And our next movie is not only the first feature in a long time, starring television's top star, Bill Cosby, but it is also one of the worst movies of the year. In fact, I think I could just take my little uh, mental editor and take out the words one of and just call it the worst movie of the year because it's really such a cynical exercise. And don't take even my word for it. Bill Cosby himself has gone on talk shows to denounce this film. The movie stars Cosby as a former CIA agent who is now a millionaire San Francisco restaurant owner when he's called out of retirement to battle an evil villainous's plot to conquer the world by attacking her enemies with trained small creatures like frogs, squirrels, and rainbow trout. <laughs> Cosby knows he's in trouble when hitmen <laughs> attack him in the kitchen of his restaurant. Go easy, Monroe. Yeah, that's right. You can really turn your head and see where a bullet is ricocheting. Later, Cosby goes into battle as kind of a one-man fighting machine. Thick door. And no matter what he fires at it, the door doesn't go down. How funny. The door is still there. How hilarious. How highly, highly humorous. Maybe at some point there was an original inspiration for a good comedy here. I don't know. They certainly were not reluctant to spend a lot of money looking ridiculous in this movie, and sometimes that works, but not this time. The whole movie is a mess, and even though Cosby has disowned, has disowned it, he cannot escape all the blame. I don't think so. In one scene, his 20-year-old daughter brings home a 66-year-old man that she wants to marry. Cosby is appalled. This guy is robbing the cradle. What does he do? He calls for a sandwich and a Coke. And then he holds the Coke bottle prominently next to his face for the rest of the scene. First it says Coca-Cola, then the next shot it says Coke, in case you missed the point. Who released this movie? Columbia. Who owns Columbia? Coca-Cola. What is Coca-Cola doing with this movie? They have a lot of products in this movie, Gene, that you can get a tie-in where you can get the product in connection with buying a ticket for the movie. I think that that is an all-time low. Bill Cosby, the richest man in show business, $67.5 million income last year, reduced to holding a Coca-Cola bottle next to his face in order to get a picture made at Columbia. He ought to be ashamed of himself. 
Boy, you're upset. And you know I am, too. <laughs> no, it, I am, too, because this man can be funny. Yes. All right, you, you said he's prostituted himself. I say he's... I say the fact is, he's disappointed his yes. legion yes, of fans. Is. There will be tons of people who will go to this mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. You know, if they've seen him in Uptown Saturday Night or Let's Do It Again with Sidney Poitier mm -hmm. years ago, he was funny. Mm -hmm. Boy, if they go, well, they feel ripped off. It'll be like, you know, getting uh, some of his Jello products that he sells and finding out there's nothing in the box. Co there's nothing in the can here. That's right. Cosby owes it to himself. Everybody knows that when you do a weekly television series, you only have a little bit of time every year to make a movie. Right. You can make a about, it's like Tom Selleck's got the same problem. You can make about one movie a year. But the plus is, you got nine months to have you and your agents look for the right script. If this is the script they found, they ought to start doing a movie every other year. <laughs> or every leap year.
Shoot down. 
Sí. Sí.